Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. My name's Ben Hocking. Thank you so much for tuning in. Harry Eid is with me. Sam Sage is with me as well. French GP coming up this weekend. Sam, excited to see cars go up the Malteser straight. Good old I, Paul I, Richard. I love it. I love the Malteser straight. It's my favourite straight because it's made of chocolate. And I love chocolate. Uh, but before we talk about racing which we love to talk about and there's so so many of you that listen to us every week talk about racing which is bizarre so firstly thank you um so much so i don't know i'll cast your minds back to the baku review uh we had two <laughs> unfortunate tire blowouts you remember an awful line that i came out with um which went a little something like yoohoo big tire blowout a terrible pun based, based on the, the frozen moments in the film. Anyway, Katie and David uh, over on our Instagram have sent us a little link and they've designed a t-shirt with that slogan on it. There'll be a link in the description. Ben, hopefully in the editing, will flash up an image. If not, you'll have to use your imagination or click on that link. Um, honestly, it's amazing. We absolutely love that someone's not that up. So great job, guys. Uh, Katie and David, absolutely love it. Um, if you have anything that you ever want to design, you ever want to do, send it over to us. Please do. We love it. We'll share it. It's great. It's great fun. And this is hilarious. Make our day. So uh, thank you very much, guys, for doing that. Uh, more jokes on T-shirts, please. Is this, does this count as our first piece of fan art? Can we claim I think that? So. I think officially, yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad that's where it started. It's, it's yeah. a picture of the guy from Frozen saying... You who big tie blowout. I think that's appropriate for what our first piece of fan art should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that sounds about right, and um, I, I think it was a good choice of quote, and probably the only Sam quote that could be put on a t-shirt without <laughs> legal implications afterwards. So um, yeah, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Thank you to you guys. Um, 
But in terms of today's show, really excited to bring this one to you. We'll be discussing Alpine. Esteban Ocon has signed a contract through to the end of 2024. So our reaction to that one. Uh, Pirelli have revealed their conclusions regarding the investigation into the tyre issues at Baku. And spoiler alert, it wasn't debris. Oh. Wow, wow, wow. Who's Everyone is shocked. <laughs> Everyone is shocked. Who's day three? Oh, that is great. That is fantastic. So big, big Dave wasn't to blame for this one, um, but we'll be discussing that, the results of that later on. Um, and everyone's favourite game, F1 Alphabet. Um, purely for for Sam's theme song on that one. That one's going to make an appearance later on in the show. But first of all, the upcoming French Grand Prix. So since the return to Paul Ricard a few years back, we've only had two races there, uh, and Lewis Hamilton has claimed both of them. So, Harry, do you think by the end of Sunday that it will still only be Lewis Hamilton that's won there? Do you know what? I They've been such uh, unmemorable Grand Prix that I had no idea who won those two. So that's a... Yeah, stat man, that's why we call you that. Statman. Um, yeah, exactly. Make a t-shirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look, the, famously, the Mercedes have gone very well then around uh, around Paul Ricard. Not that I could Walk remember. I do. I remember. I remember Bottas being punted off at T1. That's about it. That's what yes. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I think Hamilton Mercedes. You know. <clears throat> we say like does he need a win I don't think Lewis Hamilton ever necessarily needs a win he's not that sort of driver that needs to build momentum I think we've spoken about that before um, it will be important that he doesn't lose any more points to Max I mean he didn't lose any points in Baku but it, again he didn't gain any either um, but he can't let Max and Red Bull I mean Red Bull in particular as well get any further ahead in the championship if they want to you know have a, a, a decent fight going in, going into the summer um, I think he will be strong. We know Hamilton's strong. There's, it's going to be less uh, unusual than Baku and Monaco, isn't it? It's not a street circuit. It's a standard circuit. Lots of long corners. Mercedes likes it. It's smooth like a billiard table. Um, yeah, I think Hamilton's going to be strong this weekend. I'm not ruling out Verstappen and Red Bull at all. But in terms of the most, the track that's most like Portimao without the hills, I'd go... France is pretty similar in terms of the corners there. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be strong. Sam, I mean, we've seen the Mercedes not exactly have two great races. Monaco followed up by Baku. Do you think that Hamilton gets back on the horse and takes the win here? Hamilton in Monaco was dreadful. There's no doubt about it. But Hamilton in Baku, apart from that stupid mistake right at the end of the Grand Prix where he left his magic on, which is always a, sewing away when you just when you leave. Oh, I've left the magic on. You know, when you're down the supermarket and you've remembered you've left your magic on. Um, he did that. It's a nightmare. Up until that point, Hamilton was was very very good. He was clearly dragging a car up. I believe. I believe Bottas was struggling with a an okay car as Hamilton was outperforming an okay, an okay car. I think the pendulum here has swung. I think Red Bull now are slightly more the favourites, could do well at each Grand Prix. I think that car is a brilliant package. Max Verstappen has fully got into the swing of things. And Sergio Perez has now properly turned up. It's like, ding dong, express delivery. It's Sergio Perez. I'm here now. And I think that that man is ready to go racing after what a you know, brilliant Brilliant performance in Baku. It wasn't perfect. He's got more in the locker, but I was really, really, really impressed with what Perez could do. And I think that's going to carry on here. I think that 
Red Bull are the favourites. I think Verstappen is the favourite here. This track is, yes, it's got a few longer corners, but I don't actually think it's too dissimilar from Baku, apart from the fact it hasn't got walls. It's just got strange, archaic mosaics and confusing puzzles surrounding the eggs that you've got to decipher. Um, there's, you know, there's heavy, long straights. There's a couple of little tight, twisty sections. Um, and, and the final corner is a bit of a ping it off of a, a slow corner down a long straight. I think they're relatively similar. I think Red Bull are going to go well round here. I think Hamilton's actually going to have to have a good performance to be able to beat both of them. And God forbid, let's hope Bottas is able to turn up and, and back him up because currently it's been an absolute shambles for the for the poor man. So, um, you know, I think the ball is very much in Red Bull's court and I think Hamilton and Bottas actually have a lot to do to make this go their way. Well, I think um, if you look at the last two races, Monaco and Baku, Mercedes are in need of a good team performance. I don't necessarily believe that Lewis Hamilton himself individually needs a needs a great performance. There's so long to go in the season, so I don't think we're we're at that stage yet where one driver needs a performance over the other. But in, in terms of the team as a whole, how often have we seen in consecutive races one of the Mercedes duo? not fighting at the front because you know Hamilton was not fighting at the front in Monaco and then Bottas wasn't fighting at the front in Baku I, I you know when was the last time that you had that in back-to-back races but you know it seems almost alien to a team that has so, had so much success like Mercedes um, so they could do with a strong result here uh, it doesn't bode particularly well that they struggled at both races. I do agree that I think Hamilton pulled that car up a little bit better than what it was capable of uh, in Baku. Um, but I think we, we do head back to some sort of normality here at Paul Ricard. And I think Mercedes will be will be back stronger again. Baku and Monaco might have differences in terms of you don't really need to rely on top speed at all in Monaco, whereas Baku is the complete opposite with that with that main straight. That is the big difference between those two circuits, but ultimately they both rely on the warm-up of the tyres, particular, particularly the front tyres. Um, so that's where they have their similarity, and I think it's something that has established that Mercedes isn't as good in that department as Red Bull. Uh, we go to... We go to um, Paul Ricard now where I would say it's fairly similar to Catalonia really in terms of the reliance is more on more on the rear tires and actually maintaining temperature uh, maintaining temperature rather than rather than the front so I, I think here I think here that we're going to see something similar to Portimao we're going to see something similar to circuit to Catalonia uh, and at both of those circuits Mercedes were absolutely fine so I think based on that and also based on their previous success as well I know not everything carries through season to season but generally speaking Mercedes have done a pretty good job of where they've been strong they've kept being strong um think of Russia as an example they you know they were strong there in 2014 they're still strong there now and that hasn't wavered whatsoever in the years between um and similarly with like monaco where they struggle generally speaking that hasn't changed much from the first race of the hybrid era to, to now so i think their previous success at paul ricard can speak for something and i think as a result of that they do have uh, an opportunity to do quite well here and from hamilton's perspective like i said i don't think he necessarily needs a performance um especially um, because we are so early in the season still. But 
what we have often seen from Lewis Hamilton in previous seasons is that he is very good at two things, and you could argue they're very much interlinked. He's very good at taking advantage of any good luck that comes his way, and he's very good at taking advantage of bad luck that comes to other drivers. So, for example, Imola, he got a stroke of good fortune in that he had the opportunity to get back through the field from where he was up to P2. He executed it. That's the sort of thing that he's done so well over the last few years. And he was found in a situation very similar to that in Baku, where Verstappen you know, retired and a points advantage over him, whether it was going to be 18, 25, 15, a points advantage over Verstappen awaited him. It's so rare to see Lewis Hamilton not able to capitalise on that sort of moment. Um, and, you know, that that's a real opening for Max Verstappen to take advantage of. He, he should be, OK, technically he should have won the race, but based on after that happening, he should be suffering a deficit right now and he's not. So he's got an opportunity to take advantage of that. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens here. Uh, I, I feel like Mercedes could be very strong. I feel Red Bull are going to be there. I, whether McLaren and Ferrari can get in the mix is another question, but I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe one of the Williams guys will, will, will come through. Probably. Probably. It seems likely, yeah. Seems very likely indeed. Um, I mean, based on the the teams looking at sort of Mercedes and Red Bull, do you think that those two will be out clear in front? Do you see McLaren or Ferrari competing, Harry? Uh, yeah, I think, it, like I said, we're it's not an unusual circuit in the in the sense that Baku and Monaco were. Um, Ferrari have definitely had a step up in form, no doubt. They've had the last two pole positions, but I think again circumstantial in some sense in terms of what kind of track we're on I would yeah suggest that it's going to be Red Bull and Red Bull and Mercedes out of the front McLaren and Ferrari I think will still be close and they'll still be fighting over that third best team but um, yeah I don't you know I don't think Ferrari are suddenly the third best or or, the, or in the top three teams so to speak um, I'll probably be wrong on that Leclerc will probably claim a third pole position in a row and and I'll look stupid as per usual but um, I'm not expecting them to be up there again to be honest What do you reckon Sam? So I mean you, you raise a good point there Harry in that you know not only in, in races in particular you know they've, they've been quite strong Ferrari and McLaren over the last few races but in qualifying Charles Leclerc is two for the last two so do you think first of all that Ferrari and McLaren could be there in the race and depending on what that answer is, do you think that they will be there in qualifying? I think that they are still slightly off the that top two pace. And of course, it's, uh, it's Charles Leclerc's turn to crash into the wall this time and cause a red flag. He did that in Monaco. <coughs> Carlos did it in Baku. Now, of course, like qualifying, it's now Charles' turn again to give that another go. Uh, maybe Carlos will get pole this time. Who knows? Throwing another red flag. Honestly, that would be a momentous moment, wouldn't it, if three poles in a row went to Ferrari due to red flag incidents from the other teammate crashing. That would be pretty shocking. Um, I, I, I know, I've got a lot of confidence, actually, in where both those teams are going. I'm really inspired and I'm excited by the trajectory that Ferrari and McLaren are on. They are closing the gap again to Mercedes and Red Bull, which is great to see. I think McLaren are slightly ahead, especially in Lando Norris's case. I think Daniel Ricciardo is still finding his feet. Uh, but I really do think that the gap is a lot smaller than it is, especially in qualifying. We've a lot of the time seen that McLaren or that Ferrari cut between both Red Bulls or cut between both Mercedes. Um, and I like it. I'm a big fan of it. Uh, do I think that, that can happen around Paul Ricard? Paul Ricard, 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm interested to see how Ferrari do on an out-and-out power track. They have seemed to be better around circuits, which are very much more um, aerodynamic-based, which is really interesting, seeing that Ferrari aren't famous for their aerodynamic ability. They're very much horsepower, baby. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm not sold on, the, on them being up there just yet, but they are definitely the two contenders for, for possibly the final spot on the podium, should something happen, or... Um, or if there's maybe a DNF or something. I really do think that they are closing the door, but they're not just there yet. I think it speaks volumes to God Leclerc's ability on a Saturday that, that, you know, he's obviously in a Ferrari, which isn't the best team and it isn't the second best team. He's managed to get pole position at Monaco due to the car suiting the circuit. He's then managed to go to a circuit where... You know, in terms of the the long straight, is a world away from from as from Monaco, and he's got pole position again on a lap that he doesn't think is very good. Um, which I think it does speak volumes to what he's able to do. Can he get three in a row here? Uh, I never want to count him out in qualifying because more often than not he will prove you wrong. But I do think we are going to see something a little bit more normal. I, I do think we'll see the Mercedes and the Red Bull uh, take take the initiative, really, in qualifying. I think Charles Leclerc can definitely still be in that mix if any of them aren't quite on it. Um, and, you know, he's done that throughout this season. So maybe that will happen, but I think maybe something a little more close to normal this time out. But... I, I, I'm I'm agreeing with Harry, which means I'm probably wrong, which is good because that means we might have a more exciting race. Please, fingers well and truly crossed. Um, let's move on to some bold predictions heading into the weekend. Harry, what have you got for us this time out? Mine and mine's not very bold this week, but you know I'm hoping Same. it might be actually right. So uh, I'm going to go for. Both Alpines will qualify and finish in the top seven. Fairly bold. <laughs> I think that's more, way more bold than mine is. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I would say that's that's more bold than than what you think it is. French GP represent on that home turf. Yeah, big big French big French uh, vibes for those those two cars. Ocon is the human baguette, so it's possible. He's <laughs> taking the mantle from Grosjean. Yeah. He's now toasted back yet. Yeah. Oh. What are you going for, Sam? <laughs> um, uh, again, I'm going to do like a bit of a two-parter because I can't think of anything that's actually quite bold, you know. So I think that we will qualify in a Noah's Ark formation in the top 10. I think we will have every single teammate in the top 10 start next to each other, which hasn't happened for a long time, I don't think. Um, and I think then that Sergio Perez is going to win the race. There's a spoiler on my race winner, but I think <laughs> Sergio Perez is going to win the race. Which is, I think, a bit bold still in the current climate. But um, I think Sergio I think Sergio's going to win. I have to ask, Sam. Why do you insist on doing double part bold predictions when you never get one part right? <laughs> it's for <laughs> the fans! Wanna, do you just want to pull it back? Just go for one first of all, then push to a second? Have you never learned that when something has gone wrong the first time, you must go further and try things even harder, and then they might go right? And if it does go right, I look like a genius. If it doesn't go well, right, then 
I can't wait oh, for well. the end of the, I can't wait for Abu Dhabi. Well, I think this is the first time I've ever said that, but I can't wait for Abu Dhabi when you're like, oh, here's a, here's my 15 part bold prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for the novel, folks, by the end of the season, which will be a 360 page long bold prediction. My bold prediction um, also revolves around the top seven, interestingly. Um, but I'm saying that it won't be uh, a home curse. It's going to be a home blessing. I think Gasly and Ocon will be in the top seven. <coughs> oh, God. So Sorry. bold. Harry is splattered. I didn't think it was that bold. Sorry. I was just choking. I can't believe you said that, Ben. Unbelievable. I think that's I, I'm I think choosing that is to optimistic. Believe. Optimistic. I think P. Gazel. I mean... Obviously, I think Ocon definitely. <laughs> Ocon doesn't stand a chance, says Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Harry's already doubting his own prediction. <laughs> That's how bad I am at predicting things. I don't even believe myself. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so there's our bold predictions. As ever, let us know your bold predictions, whether that's in the comments if you're listening on, if you're listening on YouTube. Get over on at Breaking and let us know there if you're, if you're listening on the podcast. But poll one, two, three, what have you got, Harry? Poll, I've got um, Valtteri Bottas, the winner. Poll. <laughs> the winner, I've got Lewis Hamilton. You could get a poll. Second, <laughs> second is going to be uh, Valtteri Bottas, and third, Maxi Verstappen. Interesting. Interesting. I can't believe you'd laugh at Valtteri Bottas getting a pole position. He's only done That's it like more twenty bold. times. That's more bold than your pole prediction. He's done it plenty of times. He's never, oh, he's never winning again. Poor Bottas. Honestly. Poor Bottas. It wasn't that long ago. It's been a while. Anyway. Uh, poll one, two, three. Sam, I'm presuming Bottas is going to be on poll. Yeah, yeah, in another world, maybe. Uh, poll will be Max Verstappen. The wing will go to Sergio Perez. Verstappen will finish second, and Lewis Hamilton will be third. I have got Lewis Hamilton on pole position. I've got Lewis Hamilton taking the win. I've got a Mercedes 1-2. I think Valtteri Bottas finished the second. And then Max Verstappen in third. Folks, if Valtteri Bottas finishes second place, I'd like you to get in the comments and choose something for me to do because I think it's See, so that's... unlikely. So Look, unlikely. We've, we've been here before, Sam. <laughs> you ain't out of your flipper. <laughs> The, the fans can pick something else and I will do it. Honestly. <sighs> he, he was in a position to be in second place two races ago until he retired. I have no faith in that man anymore. Don't care. Don't care. Clearly doesn't care whatsoever. <laughs> Let's Let's move on um, to Esteban Ocon, who we've already referenced tonight, but he is going to be one happy chappy because he is signed until the end of 2024 at Alpine. Um, so long-term contract extension for him. Uh, and I can't believe, first and foremost, we, we, we record this on a Wednesday evening. Usually all of the Formula One news in the world happens on a Thursday morning after we've recorded they've actually right. timed this perfectly for us it's only a few hours old at this point so um sam what's your opinion on this do you think this was a good decision from alpine's perspective um i was just curious when you said happy chappy guess i'm making appearance often on the late breaking podcast um so i, I translated it to french for ocon i thought um, i was wondering what it was as well <laughs> well there you go in french is joyeux gaillard 
So there you go. So you Giyad to Escobar.com. Uh, for all our French listeners out there, there's not many of you. Um, there you go. Happy chappy. I think this is great. I genuinely think that Ocon has proved himself, actually, over the start of this season. He, he was starting to come good at the end of last year. Obviously, he had that break uh, out of the sport. And everyone was very sceptical, including myself. Very much doubted whether Ocon could turn it around, whether Ocon could reach the potential he needed to to recompete in the sport. And I did think that despite the longer break, Alonso was going to be a clear team leader and was going to really do well against Ocon. Um, and I thought this was going to be, you know, doors. I thought it was going to be curtains for, for Ocon. But it's not. It's really not. Ocon has really held his own. He's come back into it. He's shown that very early pace that he used to have at Force India and Racing Point. Uh, I don't know if he actually ever drove for Force India or whether it was already Racing Point. Um, but this is good. I'm, I really am pleased that he's, he's turned it up and he's doing something interesting with, with the type of racing he's providing. He's, he's providing... Shock results, he's putting the car up, I think he's out-driving what that car is capable of multiple times, and he's beating Alonso on regular occasions, which is, of course, two-time world champ. Um, so I think this is a good call from Alpine. I think they've locked down a stable team, I think Alonso is maybe there for one to two more seasons to help build the team, and then they will progress with a youngster or another up-and-comer, and I think that team is going in the right direction to be very, very strong. So I think this is a good call from Alpine. What do you reckon, Harry? I mean, we posed this one on Twitter and 80% said that this was a good move from Alpine. So are you amongst that 80%, Harry? Yeah, I think so. I think the only thing um, that surprised me was just how early it's been done. Um, He's been great this year. There's no denying it at all. If anyone's beating Fernando Alonso, you can say they're having a good year. Um, But we're still fairly early on and he had a horrendous year last year like it was apart from the podium towards the end wasn't very good at all he got absolutely done by Daniel Ricciardo um so in that sense slightly surprised it's so early I'm not saying that his performances this year don't warrant it because I think they do I just think uh you know they must have their reasons but I'm surprised they didn't keep their options open slightly longer than they than they have but you know Ocon is a solid driver I think Ben you've made this point before it was either he performed this year and he would be, have a multi-year deal or he wouldn't and they'd be out and he's you know he's done the first one he's performed and he's now got a multi-year deal so um yeah absolutely a great deal for him and yeah like I said I think the performances have warranted it this year I'm just slightly surprised about how early it's come but maybe they're worried about him being, him being snapped up by can't name a team, but any of them. Mercedes, Mercedes maybe. Obviously, he's up against Pascal yeah. Verlein for the drive. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe they they know that Bottas is going, and Ocon was sniffing about to see if he could get that seat. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, you know, I don't think it's a bad move outside there. Just slightly surprised at the timing. I have to say, I I'm surprised they've made this call. Uh, at least at this point, um, because Alpine are in a difficult situation where they do not have the flexibility that the teams they want to compete with do. So Mercedes have got options with, as they're exercising at the moment, with Williams having George Russell in that seat. Ferrari have got options in Haas and Alfa Romeo. Red Bull have got options, of course, with Alfa Tauri. Alpine don't have any options really um, in terms of building their drivers outside of the usual F3, F2 route. But when they're done with F2 and they want to promote them to Formula 1, 
the only real option they've got is to put them straight into their team rather than rather than put them into a junior team. The ironic thing is the likes of Red Bull in particular do not have to be cutthroat about these decisions and they generally are. Um, they don't give the flexibility, they don't give time to drivers as we think they should even though they actually have the resource to be able to do that. By contrast, you've got Alpine who kind of need to be a bit more cutthroat about it because if they get it wrong, everything falls down. Um, they, they don't have the option to switch them out. They, they, they've got two drivers and that's it. So I am surprised they made this decision to extend it by so long because they are now locked into Esteban Ocon regardless of what any of their junior drivers show. Now, I think Ocon is talented. I always have done and, and think he's more than capable of being in F1. The issue is, if you've got the likes of Oscar Piastri doing incredibly well in F2, and you've got the likes of Guan Yu Zhou, maybe you think he deserves an opportunity, maybe you think Christian Lundgaard deserves an opportunity, all of them will definitely have a case in which they can pitch. But what what do you do with them? If you've got Alonso locked in until the end of 2022, and you've got Ocon locked in until the end of 2024 now, it doesn't matter what potential they show, it makes it more difficult to put them in the seat. And I don't know what their views are of the likes of Piastri and Lundgaard. I don't know whether they believe they will be world champions, but my view is that Esteban Ocon is a talented driver, but he's also not a future world champion. They have the ambition to win world championships, and I just don't think he is that person. I think he could do perfectly fine as a second driver. I don't think he's quite got world championship potential. And I'm not saying that the the guys they've got in the junior program are of that level, but they at least need to find out, you know, what's the point in having a junior program if you don't at least do the do the due diligence to, to work it out and to find out whether these guys have got the capability to be even better than the guys you've got in your team at the moment. I wouldn't have been against at all them extending this until the end of next season, the end of 2022. I think that would have been absolutely fine. But sooner or later, they've got to make decisions about these junior drivers and they're going to have to make some very tough calls that could end up being very embarrassing later down the line if they get rid of one or two of these drivers and they end up coming to bite them and beating them year in, year out. Whether that will happen or not, who knows? But I didn't agree with the length of this. Um, at all and I am I've been a massive fan of Ocon this season by the way I think he's been definitely in the top 10 drivers this season I you could argue top five just about he's been very good this season but you are giving him this multi-year extension based on what, six races which seems like not enough of a sample size to me I know he did quite well at Force India and Racing Point that is quite a few years ago now he didn't do very well last season. I did give him quite a bit of leeway on that. I, w- I, I would have liked to have seen them do this later in the year and I would have liked them to have not extended it by quite as long as what they did. Are we at a point where... And we always have been, really, but it feels very, very evident now where we simply don't have enough teams in Formula 1 and there is a lot of golden-level talent coming through. I think Oscar Piastri is a prime example of this, of how good that young man is in a race car. And there is almost a zero chance of him getting a Formula 1 seat and he's got every chance of winning the series in Formula 2. So, and this can happen to Zhao as well. You know, it's, it's not just Piastri. You know, there are numerous drivers in F2 that probably are good enough for an F1 seat and have got almost 0% chance now of getting in next year. 
Well, in the case of Piastri, I mean, the last two drivers to have won F3 and F2 back-to-back, of course, Piastri hasn't done the F2 part yet, but he's in contention for it. The last two drivers who have successfully done that are George Russell and Charles Leclerc. Could you imagine denying either of those two a seat in F1? I, I mean, another team would have snapped them up and would quite possibly be quite embarrassed at this point that they that they voluntarily let them go. I've got nothing against Esteban Ocon, but it's they are you know they are locking themselves in for a long time to one driver uh it shows the faith they've got in him which is fair enough um and for Esteban Ocon's sake it's a great move considering I don't think he had a chance at the Mercedes realistically so yeah where was he gonna go that was like where do they think he was gonna go yeah they're locking him so early yeah but wait Esteban mate where you going nowhere back to France you got there anyway um Daniel Kvyat is also still the reserve driver, right, of Alpine? He'll be back in at some point, you know it. He's got every I... job at that point. <laughs> He's already the CEO of Alpine and then be relegated to the geography <laughs> teacher. Um, I think that they'll get rid of Kvyat and put one of those uh, F2 drivers in as their reserve driver. And then when Alonso's contract runs out at the end of 2022, they go in there. But that's just one. Yeah, that's only one driver. I, you know, I guess as well, the question mark is around Fernando Alonso, who has, I don't think he's necessarily been poor this season, but by Alonso's standards, he's been quite unspectacular. Um, Funny. The quite, I think there's still a bit of a question mark as to, is he the Alonso of old and it just hasn't quite come out yet? Or is it not there anymore? I mean, that I think, I think that's... Baku was pretty Alonso-esque, wasn't it? He, he displayed it there when he needed to. And, you know, Portimao as well, the flashes are there. It's just not... I think the question is, is it not there yet? Or is it not going to happen at all? And I don't I don't think anyone actually knows the answer to that yet. Um, so it's interesting um, what will happen. To just focus on one driver outside of the, the Alpine programme who has quite frequently been linked to that, uh, and that is fellow Frenchman Pierre Gasly. Um, this was always seen as a potential avenue for him. It seems as if with this decision, that avenue becomes much more narrow. Sam, what do you think this, this will, you know, how does Gasly react to this? Does this affect him? Yeah, I think this affects him massively. I think for some reason, Alpine are definitely the leaders of this strange phenomenon where they are a team from a nation and they very much enjoy having drivers also from that nation. So I feel like two French drivers... Um, at Alpine is very much an ideal situation for the team but you've got Fernando Alonso who as we've just said we don't know if he's able to display that full level of quality that we know he once had but if he does turn that around then you want to keep Fernando Alonso in the car until the end of 2022 and you've signed Ocon now for until the year 3000 so he'll meet Busket there when they go underwater um, but what is strange for Pierre Gasly is I would arguably say that Pierre Gasly is top four drivers of the season so far uh, top five you know and He's one of the drivers that I feel is most likely to not have a drive at all next season. Um, if they want to bring up Yuri Vips, which is highly possible, we've seen what Red Bull like to do with their young drivers, then Gas is gone from the sport. I can't see him going anywhere because, you know, we know that Toto, Toto uh, say he's likes Pierre Gasly, but realistically, he's not going to surpass George Russell for Pierre Gasly. That would be a real kick in the teeth for George Russell. Um, you know... McLaren seats aren't going anywhere. That would be a realistic move. Bottas might realistically go back to to Williams if there was a swap there. Does Gasly want to go backwards at the moment to Williams? 
I'm really nervous that there's a lot of key drivers in Formula 1 who are showing a lot of you know, world-level potential could be out of a seat. And Gasly might have to take a break. We might be seeing more and more of this as it goes forward. But I think we're at a real kind of almost plug point where there is too much talent for what is happening in Formula 1. Which is a shame because I'd love to see more of these guys really drive and push each other to the, to the actual limit. But it feels like Gasly is a real victim of this. He's had a problem with his actual team. They don't love him that much. Um, and maybe he could be out of it for now. So your conclusion is bring back HRT and bring yes. back Virgin. Yes. Good yes. stuff. I'm glad we're, glad we're settled that. on that. What do you reckon, Harry, in terms of Pierre Gasly? Does this close off his his potential for a long-term future in F1 if, if Red Bull aren't going aren't gonna to put him back in the senior team? Uh, I don't... I don't know if I agree that he would. He could be out of a seat next year. I just think he's doing too well in the AlphaTauri. And next year, with the rule changes, I'm not saying AlphaTauri will be championship contenders, but we're, the hope is that everything will be thrown a bit more wide open, and that would allow, you know, AlphaTauri have punched up above their weight for the past couple of years and got a win, got a podium or two. Um, yeah, I just think they would hold on to Gasly for a bit longer to see how that goes. Um, I don't think the Alpine seat is over, because if Alonso retires at the end of next year, or even the end of this year, who knows, um, then I think there's still potential for that. There's obviously trouble uh, issues there, because we've already spoken about their young driver programme and what do they what do they do with those drivers. But, um, yeah, I mean, it would be a shocker if Gasly didn't have a seen F1, because, as Sam said, he's... Top top four drivers this year, top yeah, top four I think. So um, you'd hope not, and he's he's still so young. So and maybe and maybe I don't know. I could, I just don't think Red Bull. I know they've they don't tend to go back under this their decisions too often. But I think you know how long they're keeping Sergio for. I'm not saying they're getting rid of Sergio next year, but I think they'll want to keep Gasly around. Potentially, and not just. I think they've started to learn from their mistakes of just banning drivers and getting the new the new kid because it doesn't work all the time. So, um, I'd hope that they at least keep some, the same lineup for next year because it makes sense. You've got Gasly who's doing so well, and Sonoda who you'd hope is a bit more well-rounded by then. Um, but yeah, my instinct on it is that they will keep the same lineup for next year and give Yuri Vips one more year in F2 before looking to promote him. But I think long-term, it is a bit of a question mark with Pierre Gasly because you think about where he could go and and the options don't seem plentiful. Like if he's not, if Red Bull don't want to give him that opportunity in the lead team again, because it, it's, as I said, sort of last time on the podcast that he's been knocking it out of the park since the middle of 2019 it's not as if he's just turned up this season and been very good. Ever since he lost that seat, from the first race, he was back in the AlphaTauri or the you know the Torosso as it was then. He has just been brilliant. And I don't know what more he can do to actually get in that Red Bull seat, to make them see that maybe he should get a second chance. So if the long-term solution isn't at Red Bull... There's no real reason to believe it's going to be at Ferrari. I don't think it will be at Mercedes as much as Sam has predicted it before on the podcast. <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure where it comes from because Alpine was the was the destination that made the most logical sense, and now that has not been completely taken away, but the chances of it happening are much much slimmer than they were yesterday. So, 
yeah, I think from Pierre Gasly's perspective, all he can keep do, all he can keep doing is is continuing to race as he has been, um, and you know, hope that hope that Red Bull see it or that something else becomes available because uh, it would be a massive shame if he were to leave the sport. It's a massive shame when when anyone anyone leaves the sport, but especially when they've been performing so well for so long. That's not how it should work. Um, so we'll we'll see on that one. We'll see. Who is um, lined up for Aston Martin after Sebastian Vettel? I know Vettel's not done within the next couple of years, but who is their young driver? Have they got one lined up? Um, I I don't think so. I think they're they're pretty much sharing with with Mercedes. So it could be it could be a Mercedes oh, again. I'm not quite sure who that would be. Um, no, they've got be uh, they've got Fred Vesti, haven't they? Um, but that seems a couple of years away. Get Hulkenberg back in. Yeah, Hulkenberg. I think that in a strange turn of events, I wouldn't be shocked to see Gasly get booted out of the seat and maybe become the reserve driver for Aston Martin. We will see. We will see. Tough one. Uh, tough one to predict. But we'll move on to Pirelli because... After what happened at Baku, they have released their findings from their investigation into why those two tyres failed. Um, They confirmed that there was no production or quality defect on any of the tyres. However, they also stated that this did not come about as a result of the teams making an error. So uh, the statement itself, Harry, what did you you make of it? It was, uh, it wasn't us, Gov, and it wasn't us, Gov. It was none of us, Gov. Gov. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a very well calculated and crafted statement, wasn't it? That that cleared uh, Pirelli's name and cleared any of the other teams' names, uh, including Mercedes, Red Bull, and Aston Martin, because there were cuts found in uh, in Vettel's tyres too, not significant enough. But um, yeah. I I don't I didn't really know what to make of it to be honest. It was just kind of a, I feel like they've been working on that for a couple of weeks and they just yeah got the wording right to to clear everyone's name. Um, there must be there must be some valid reason because we wouldn't have had we don't normally have tire failures like that. Was there something a curb on the track? Normally that's been you know Silverstone well quite a few years ago now, but there was a certain curb that was cutting tires. They think so. Have we had the same again? I've seen other people say it's just the loads that, you know, are sub- the tyres are subjected to around back here was too much. But, again, we haven't really had a massive case of punctures. Bottas had one a few years ago, but that was definitely debris, I think. So, yeah, I don't know. Didn't really know what to make of it. I think it was just a way to put a put a full stop on the whole thing and, and move on before the before this race weekend. And I guess, you know in a couple of race weekends time would have probably forgotten about it so yeah I think that's about as much as I can say about it to be honest Sam uh, what takeaway did you have from this trying hard not to make a takeaway joke um, I literally set it up for you and you didn't I know, take I, it I, no I, oh. didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to I tried very hard Come on. wow I mean, uh, you're growing I up mean, I'm, you know, I've definitely got the oldest one on the podcast. Um, I mean, I'm really glad that it, you know it's, it's been a hot week, and I'm so glad that Pirelli are casting some shade because I need to shelter in it. Because honestly, 
I think this is absolute coddles wop. I can't like I swear, folks, because they tell me off afterwards. Okay, t- yeah, anything because I'm the <laughs> genuinely they, would. They really Give you a small beating. Yeah, it's got fun. Um, I think this is pure PR rubbish from Pirelli. They are the sole tyre manufacturer. They are they hold the responsibility for the driver's safety, for ensuring that we have a fair race, for ensuring that measurements are met. They gave a statement that those tyres would go for 40 laps. Those tyres are going anywhere near that distance. They have got hundreds of cameras, which they have access to all over that track. They get all the data back from the teams. So either a team is lying, which, yeah, it's possible, don't get me wrong. But Pirelli, with all the millions and millions of dollars of research and availability and resource that they have, they should be able to come up with a real reason. Tires don't just go pop because magic happens. There is a physical reason why a tyre pops. It's a, it's a physical object, and something has impacted that physical object to a point where it can no longer sustain the same physical object that it started out as. So to go, oh... Um, the drivers all did the right thing, and we did the right thing, so not sure what happened, actually. It's not good enough. That's just a load of rubbish from Pirelli. So I don't think they're being held responsible. I feel like they've managed to get themselves out of a tricky situation with a few nice words, which hats off to whoever wrote that statement. It was a good statement. But to me, this leaves the door open for either something to happen again and negligence to end up happening, or there is something going on behind closed doors that we're unaware of. But... I don't think this has been carried out the way I wanted it carried out. I would have liked more research giving into this, and I expect a proper answer from Pirelli. Hold your hands up, fix the situation, and don't make it, don't let it happen again going forward. I don't think this has been held pro- uh, held properly from them. Um, I'll, um, I'll I'll start with the good, um, and I'm you know this is a bit. I'm not sure if this e- this first point even is a good point, but I think it speaks to the state of formula one and the natural secrecy of it all i'm just happy they actually released something into public view because i i wasn't certain they would um we've seen you know with ferrari in particular but generally speaking for uh, f1 like to keep things behind closed doors um and so it was at least good to see that there was a full investigation and then a full press release from this so Again, is that a good thing? I think it should just be expected generally, but based on F1's track record, I guess it was a good thing. Secondly, uh, I know that they are implementing a few things with um, checking tyre pressures throughout the race rather than just at the beginning and at the end. Um, They brought this in as a result of this, so it's good to see that some action has come from this. That's the good. The bad of this. I think it is utterly terrifying that they can't identify the issue because what on earth is there to stop it happening again i i would i i couldn't care less okay that's not quite true but i don't really care who's to blame here i don't i don't really care my concern here is the safety of the drivers and the safety of the drivers because we were lucky we were lucky that they were both unharmed and absolutely fine that wasn't an absolute certainty to be the case it's worrying that there's nothing here to indicate that this won't happen again if they had come back and said yes both of those tires they there was something defective with the tires this is what we're doing about it you would feel okay after the situation because you know that okay they've they've understood what the issue was they've managed to identify it they've made an action as a result of this it shouldn't happen again and you feel better going into the next race. But they have, as you've already said, they've said, we're not to blame. 
We didn't do anything wrong. But also the teams didn't do anything wrong either. Well, if no one did anything wrong, why did it happen? You need to be able to identify that. So, I don't know, it doesn't happen again? Come on. I. It, it was a very, very well-crafted statement um, in which, you know, they didn't didn't annoy the teams too much but they didn't also blame themselves again I don't I would much rather Pirelli have stood up and said you know this was this was our error this is what we've done about it we know why those tires went I I know they gave an actual physical description of the tires uh, and why they went but not necessarily a reason why that happened in the first place and you know maybe it's to do with the Baku circuit but surely surely you want to know what the problem is once, once you know the problem, you can you can go about action as a result of that. But I, I thought this was, I, I would be concerned if I was a driver right now, knowing that that happened at the last race and not knowing why it happened. That would concern me. Uh, should we bring back a tire wall? Yes, come on, Bridgestone, it's your time. Come on, Goodyear, get involved. Goodyear, yeah, going even further back, love it. To be fair, I'd uh, love a Goodyear resurgence. And Dunlop. Dunlop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it. I would say we could bring over Firestone, but I mean, the amount of advertising they get, I I don't know whether we could take it. The Firestone, Firestone. Hearts. <laughs> That's Barbara Streisand. It's the wrong song. Yeah, you, you gave it a go. Um... It came up short, but you gave it a it's go. It's hard being a musical um, genius in this channel. A lot of pressure. Well, well. speaking of you being a musical genius, we're going to move on to our final segment, which is F1 Alphabet. Do I have to sing it again, or have we got it pre-recorded? Yes, of course you have to sing it. Oh. <laughs> Folks, I do have a recording of it, Sam, so don't worry. Oh, good. Don't say that. Ben loves a live performance. Oh. On his birthday, we'll get one. A to K, K to Z. Well, what could the answer be? Time to play Formula One Alphabeti. You, you've automatically lost this game, Sam, I'm afraid. Um, so you might well have seen from a few weeks ago, we brought this along, uh, F1 Alphabet, where we took the first 10 letters of the alphabet. Uh, there was a category connected to each of those letters uh, and then a general knowledge question that followed and Sam and Harry took it in turns to try and get those answers correct. Harry, I think you won that one. Um, so you're looking to, looking to win again. So... Naturally, we took the first 10 letters on that first round, so we're actually going to take the next 10 now. So we're going from letters K down to the letter T. Uh, and these guys don't know what those letters... It says K K- to Katie Z. Tunstall. Oh. Katie Tunstall. Sing a song from her or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, th- those are the letters. They don't know what the categories are going to be, uh, and they'll take it in turns to try and get uh, some answers right. So... Uh, well, we'll go with winners first, Harry. Not not to call you a loser, Sam, but no, no, we all know it's true, so. so it's fine. What letter would you like? It's yeah, from K down to T. Uh, I'll go for K, please. Oh, I'm going to start at the top. You, you've actually managed to pick the best one. K stands for, of course, Korea. <laughs> 
<laughs> so the Korean Grand Prix took place between 2010 and 2013, four times. Vettel won three times there. Who won the other race? Oh, Fernando Alonso did because he, he laughed like a madman. <laughs> Fernando Alonso, he won the first ever Korean Grand Prix in 2010. Vettel, um, apparently just he just likes races I- in Asia, I think, but based on his dominance of there in yeah. India. Around that time, just unstoppable. But He's yeah, still Alonso the is correct. Singapore, isn't he? He's still the most, ringer, wing, uh, most recent winger at the Singapore Grand Prix. The ringer. <laughs> the ringer of singer. The ringer of singer. Um, so... K, yes, you got K right, Harry, so you get one point there. Sam, can you match him? What letter would you like? Folks, just for context, I didn't get any right last week, last time we did this one. <laughs> so, one is a Come success. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for my, my namesake, I'm going to go for S. I don't know if you'll have heard of this guy, I'm afraid. Uh, oh. S stands for Sh- Sh- Schumacher. Oh, Schumacher. Schumacher. That's it. Got it. Um, in what season did Michael Schumacher win his most races? Oh, Ben. Yeah, that is. This. Oh, I'm gonna go with 2003. Oh no! Was it one oh, off? Is it 2004? Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, yeah, 03 well. was the... You, you were in the middle of two very dominant years, I'm afraid. 2002 was the one where he got a podium at every race. 2004 was the one where he won the most races. 03 was the one where he nearly lost the title to Raikkonen. But that's the one. That's oh. what I was toying up. Damn it. Here we go, yeah. folks. Wrong for the big O again. Oh, I really thought that was going to be the one. <laughs> We've got, you've got four more chances. This is going to happen. Harry, what's your next letter? T. Uh, T stands for Tyrrell. So <laughs> Tyrrell took 33 race victories in its time as a constructor, um, and one man took 25 of them. Who is he? Uh, is it Jackie Stewart? Was Jackie Stewart, correct. Oh, as if I knew that straight away. For goodness sake! So, so sorry, Sam. Um, yeah, Jackie Stewart's right. Just uh, celebrated his 82nd birthday, I think. So, exactly, so I'm sure happy he's birthday, listening. He's a, he's a big fan of the podcast. So happy birthday, Jackie. Um, always been a big fan of LB. He loves always it. Been. I, I'll always remember his championship ceremony in 1973 <laughs> when he said, this, this is dedicated to late breaking. Uh, that meant a lot. This is for you, boys. <laughs> Next letter for you, Sam. Uh, I'm going to go for M. M for Mike. Uh, it's not M for Mike in this scenario, I'm afraid. It's M instead for the legend that is Tiago Montero. Um, <laughs> so Tiago Montero very famously took third place at the 2005 US Grand Prix, where only six drivers actually started the race. Can you name well, can... two of the three drivers that he beat in that race? That he beat... Oh, bloody hell. Um, I mean, I can't. So, Takuma Sato? Um, I'm just... For some reason, I've got Christian Alves on the mind, so I'm going to say Christian yeah, Alves. that's wrong. one of them. That's oh, one of them, yeah. Oh, Christian! I don't know the other. That's obviously Sato is wrong, but... Um, 
No, it, Sato was not right, but um, Albers was one of them. Doesn't he? Yeah. Didn't he technically beat Sato because Sato didn't start the race? Oh, I'm, I, yeah, all right. He technically beat him, and also <laughs> Montero also beat you know Fernando Alonso and a legend, a legend. <laughs> yeah. <of football>. Right. <laughs> Did you have an idea on who the other two were, Harry? Uh, oh, oh God. Um, was this Cucumber Boy? Was he? Was, yeah, was the Rain Carter K and his teammate he beat. Who was the other Minardi driver? I don't know. Um, Robert Dornboss. It know. was Patrick Friesacker oh, was course. the other one. Um, oh. but... Can I have half a point? Yeah, go on then. Yes! He's on the board! <laughs> Harry, what letter would you like next? Uh, L, please. L is for laps. So, as you know, most F1 races have laps. Um, <laughs> can you tell me? Can you tell me how many laps there are at the British Grand Prix? Oh, what? I don't know. Uh, fifty-six. I was going to go for strong start, guess. Yeah, going to go for fifty-eight. It's fifty-two. It was, oh. a, it was a good guess, not quite. So it stays at two half <laughs> as the scoreline. <laughs> <laughs> Two Albers. <laughs> um, yep. <laughs> yeah, two Albers. Uh, Sam, what would you like to go for next? Um, I will go for Q. There, there weren't too many words I could think of, really, for this, but Q stands for qualifying. <laughs> Come on, I like that bit. Elimination qualifying lasted two races. Highly successful. Can you tell me who got pole position at both of those races? It feels like the answer should be obvious. <laughs> so that means it's not going to be right. I'm going to say Lewis Hamilton. Did you think I was double bluffing you there? Yes. It's Lewis Hamilton! Yes! <laughs> yes! Folks, he's a runner. He's, he's literally <laughs> lapping his room. I've got nothing right! Oh, that is the correct good. answer. Well done. Harry, oh, next good. letter. Um, I'll go for N, please. Uh, that stands for noughties. Oh, uh, naughty. Can you tell me the three drivers that scored the most points in the, no- in the noughties? Uh, naughty boy. I'm guessing Schumacher is one. Schumacher is one, yep. Um, Alonso? Alonso is one. Oh, bloody hell. Can you get there? Um, I hope he's Who else was good in the middle? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to go for everyone's favourite Brazilian, Rubens Barrichello. Oh, he is. He was fourth. Oh, Rubino, what are you doing, lad? It's Kimmy in front of him. It was Kimmy. Uh, Kimmy's actually second on the list. He just about beats Alonso uh, into oh, really? third. But yeah, Barrick- to be fair, Barrichello was pretty close to to both of them, though. So that's very unlucky, but not a correct one. Uh, if it yeah, was Sam, you, you, you would have got like two thirds of a point. Two thirds yeah. of a point. 
He has his own list. Um, oh, he's too good God. for regular lists. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we've got uh, three left. O, P, and R. Sam, what are you going for? I'm going to go for R. Now, I don't want to get you excited here, but you've managed to pick the one that is a 50 50. Oh, no, I had that last time I got that wrong. <laughs> R stands for Rosberg. Oh, no. Which Rosberg has more career wins, Nico or Keki? This is Rosberg's long-term revenge on me for being horrible to him, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> They've got one world title each. Now most wins. You... Oh, God. I could be sat here like this for 50 years and I still wouldn't be able to actually tell you. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Nico. Due to amount of races. Nico is the correct answer. Uh, well done. So, The Mercedes Nico... boys are doing me proud. It's actually surprisingly not very close. Nico Rosberg, 23 wins. Uh, and Keke Rosberg, he had just five. Um, really? He won a whole championship with only one win, didn't he? Exactly, he did. You're right. Wow, um, I didn't know that. That's but he didn't cool. actually win many races. Which leaves us with two to go. I think the score is... Well, Sam's actually winning uh, <laughs> two and a half to two. <laughs> Come on, Technically. Um, what letter would you... O or P, Harry? Uh, let's go for a P. Okay, well, it's not quite a 50-50, but you've got a one in three chance of getting this one right. 30-30-30. P, P stands for Pescara. That so, The Pescara <laughs> Grand Prix... <laughs> Goodness me. Pescara Grand Prix only happened yeah. once. It happened in 1957. Um, and it is, the, it is the longest F1 lap ever. Uh, right. Scarra Grand Prix. The question for you is: One Manuel Fangio, he got pole position at that race. What time did he get in his in his qualifying attempt? Was it six minutes and ten seconds, nine minutes and forty four seconds, or twenty eight minutes and fifty five seconds? Oh Ben, they're not even very close together. Um, Have you seen how long it is? You, you could drive around England faster. <laughs> I'll go for nine minutes and ten seconds. That wasn't an option. <laughs> <laughs> you can have six minutes and ten oh, seconds, oh, or you can have nine minutes and forty-four. Oh, nine forty-four then. <laughs> Good answer. You got it right. <laughs> well done. As much as I would love a, uh, I'd love a qualifying lap to take twenty-eight minutes. It was, I think, it was overall over eighteen laps, and it took three hours. <laughs> Who decided? So long. Idea? What if you need a pit stop? What if you need a <laughs> Yeah, true. Can you imagine tires going on the on the first corner. That'd be awful. Um, right. So yeah, good answer, uh, Sam. So this technically means if you get this right, you win. I'm not win. And we're left down to O. And O stands for the Osterreich Ring. So as we know, the Osterreich Ring is now referred to as the Red Bull Ring. However, it has had three names in its existence. What was it called between 1996 and 2003? <laughs> Dave. 
Yeah, that's a good answer. Give him the answer. Better than I would. Helmut Marco Centre. Steven Spielberg, RS. Um, (laughs) These are all very good guesses. When you say it, I'm going to know it as well. It's going to be really, really annoying, but I don't. I don't, I've got bloody A1 ring stuck in my head, which is not it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say um, the Spielberg circuit or something like that, which I know it isn't true, but I don't know. Spielberg circuit, that's your final answer? Yeah. Sam, you're going to smack yourself in the head. Is it the A1 ring? <laughs> yes. Oh, for Christ's sake! Oh, <laughs> you've managed to find a brand new way to lose. Know the answer. Oh, oh that is brilliant. I'll take that. Yeah. That's better than winning. You, you, you knew the answer. You've got, you've got that sort of... It was charity. In your mind. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, so, in the most dramatic of circumstances, <laughs> Harry, you do take the win. It's well the most done. tense game we've ever done. I'm yeah, joking. I know. <laughs> Need a, need a lie down. I'm going to get the A1 ring tattooed on me somewhere. That's probably a good idea. Um, oh, anyway, we're not yeah. we're not at the A1 ring this weekend. We're at the we're at Paul Richard. Um, and we'll be back, of course, with a review of the race on Sunday. Sam, if you wouldn't mind, until then, getting us out of here. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to spend the next four days getting us out of here, because until then... Folks, if you've enjoyed what has been a really bizarre podcast, there's a very, very serious moments. We've had some very, very lighthearted and silly moments. If you like F1 chat, if you're maybe new to the podcast and you're, you're maybe new to Formula One, give a little follow or get over to YouTube, drop a little subscribe. We really do appreciate the support and you sticking around. If you don't like us in a couple of weeks, which we don't like each other, you can leave again. It's fine. Uh, it costs you nothing. So we appreciate it. We are back, of course, on Sunday afternoon for the race review. Hopefully it's an absolute cracker and we'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Remember, get over to Twitter at LBreaking because we are always active on the F1 weekend races, things, whatever you call them. Um, we're always tweeting, come out with stuff, chat about it, being silly, get involved. We'd love to hear from you, of course. And in the meantime, I've been the biggest loser in late breaking history, Sammy Smith. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been the A1 ring. <laughs> and remember, keep breaking late. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.